Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Aldo Privilegi, holistic healer, QHHT hypnotherapist, and visiting practitioner to health resorts and retreats around the world. He is the author of the book, Man is Moving Beyond Sickness, Tools for Transformation, which was inspired by an out-of-body experience where two beings led him through an experience of viewing a future Earth and was urged by them to share the message to help accelerate the earth consciousness process and lastly he has also had a near-death like experience aldo thank you for joining me from hong kong today and welcome it's good morning from hong kong Mm -hmm. Uh, as you can see in the background you got the real hong kong there in the background it's uh 8 30 in the morning and uh i'm actually just back from bali Mm. um beautiful bali um doing some uh, some energetic works there and back in Hong Kong. And here we are. Uh, thanks for having me on. Although if you don't mind, let's start with that OBE that you had where you were with two beings. What happened was I was drawn out of the, out of my body by these two beings, which I were not familiar with. Now, the interesting thing about these beings were I couldn't actually see their faces because they weren't actually, as they drew me out of my body, they were behind me. So I couldn't actually see them uh, visually, but I could see them through my mind's eye and I was aware of their presence, the feeling of them. And the two beings were both male and they both exuded a a tremendous power and wisdom it 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 felt like they were really old but they were actually young in in uh, their uh, visual even though i couldn't see them and there was one more powerful than the other one the the main one of these beings were and they were uh, they had like a hooded uh, almost like one of those uh, monk type uh, attire there was a hood i could tell what they were wearing and they were behind me there was one that was more powerful 
And the other one was not saying anything. They spoke to me telepathically, very clearly, and they ushered to me, they ushered me to, they just took me out into space and they were behind me and they, they were leading me without me knowing where I was going. And, but the feeling I had was just like this feeling like, oh, they, they're taking me somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I feel completely safe. And we arrived at this point in space where we were looking down at a planet. And we were hovering above the planet, and I could see the planet had no hospitals, it had no uh, doctors, it had no, there was no healing facilities in terms of medical facilities. And the whole of the planet was in a state of harmony. And everybody spoke telepathically. And we hovered above this, this uh, planet. They were behind me. And they were obviously showing me what this planet was to observe it for some reason. And I didn't know why I was looking at it. And I was understanding what I was seeing the harmony, the peace, everyone spoke telepathically. There was no illness, there was no sickness on this planet. And it was very interesting. And then the, the main, one of the two beings telepathically spoke to me and said that this is a possibility of the future Earth. Now, I didn't know if I was looking at the Earth in the future, or this was another planet that had reached that level of consciousness, and they were showing me this was what was possible. They didn't tell me that. That was information that was left uh, anonymous. However, once I'd received the information, it was interesting because as I gleaned the information of the planet, once I got it and I understood what I was seeing, the being behind me knew that I got it and then said to me, we'd like you to share this knowledge. So that was the inspiration of my book, Man is Moving Beyond Sickness. And the idea of the, the concept of the book is to urge people to begin to learn how to heal themselves and that in the future where we're, where we're heading to, where we're moving to as a collective consciousness, there's not going to be any need for any medical uh, hospital facilities because we will be our own healers. And the way that occurs is by taking stock of our, where we're at, examining where we are and making the adjustments inside of us and moving in that direction. Now, people need guidance and help with these kind of tools. So my book, although it 
comes from quite an elevated, inspired place, the book is actually very pragmatic and simple. So what the way I wrote the book was really for the, the layman, for the person that's just coming into this kind of new consciousness and looking for an entry point. So it's, there are techniques for meditation, there are techniques for listening to the inner self-talk, the inner dialogue, because really, Jeff, our, our life is, the quality of our life is directly proportionate to the quality of our inner dialogue, our inner self-talk. So there's a chapter on self-talk. There's a, there's a chapter on the conscious and the subconscious mind relationship. And one of the really important discoveries that I made along my journey, especially as a hypnotherapist, is that the subconscious mind plays a really important role in our lives. So once I had uh, received the, 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 the uh, impression of that planet and I had the data, I was then ushered, guided back to my body with that information. And then when I came back into completely uh, logged back into the body, I, I knew there was just this like compelling urge that I had to write the book. And... I decided to write the book in a way that would be accessible to the, you know, mainstream, because that's what we need to really aim at to, you know, like they say, if we raise the, all the, the tide, all of the boats get lifted. So the book is uh, simple and it's aimed at processing the person as they read it. So as they read through the book, they will, get the haha moments and see where they've uh, been hanging on to some uh, old beliefs that are no longer serving them as uh, some conditionings and so on and so forth. So that was how the book basically came about, Jeff. What were you doing just prior to your OBE? Ah, uh, yeah, good question. Mm -hmm. I was actually in meditation. So I was... Uh, in a deep state of meditation and I drifted off. Sometimes uh, it, meditators will know this. Sometimes when you're in a deep level of meditation, there, there can be a stage where you kind of drift off into this hypnagogic state where it's, it's almost like lucid and dreamy. And that was the, the area that I, I, I went into that lucidity, dreamy kind of hypnagogic state. And that's when they appeared and drew me out. It must have been the appropriate state for me to, to come out so easily. So there was no uh, prior intention to say, I'm going to have an OBE. I was just doing a meditation and... I just allow my meditations to go where they're going, go with the flow of that. And that's where it led to. And they were there. And 
yeah, there was such a, the, what, what still, and this is quite a few years back now, but what still remains with me is the impression of the reverence that I could feel coming off them. They were very, very wise and there was such a respect there that I felt. And they treated me with a great deal of respect and I could feel the love, although they, I could feel they were also on a mission. It's like, we love you. However, this is um, how we also show our love to the, con the collective. Do you feel that the hypnagogic state that you were in is the same state that you put people into when you are practicing hypnotherapy? Not all the time, but that state is available. It depends on each individual person and how long I've been working with them and how open they are, how relaxed they are, how much uh, conditioning they have. During the first part of my professional um, working with clients professionally at the early stages, I had a, a moment of, of uh, clarity and I was working with a particular client. And during the middle of the session, I suddenly realized that I wasn't a hypnotherapist, even though I'd trained for many years in a lot of different genres of hypnotherapy, because there is a lot of different uh, genres, and I've trained in a lot of them and uh, deeply. And I had a moment where I realized that I, I wasn't a hypnotherapist. And I was actually a dehypnotist because what I realized with, as the clients were coming in, I realized that I, they were already hypnotized. And what I was dealing with was dismantling the hypno or the hypnosis that they had already succumbed to and liberating them from that state of hypnosis, which they didn't know they were in. So really, when a person is in deep hypnosis, they don't know they're in hypnosis. And that's how you know you're in hypnosis. So people who come don't know that they've been hypnotized or they're in a hypnotic state. They're, they're, they're working on their programs that, that have been installed by them or by other people uh, and possibly with all good intentions as well. Uh, they come and they have some sort of problem or some sort of issue in, or they feel stuck, but they don't know why. And I had a moment where I realized, oh, okay, I understand this now. All of my training that I've gone through was to actually learn and understand at the deepest level what hypnosis is so that I could recognize it 
and then be able to liberate people by dismantling that. I call it scaffolding because it's like a scaffolding. And if you look at a scaffolding, it's a structure that holds a building in place when the building is not fully secure. So people tend to identify to their scaffolding. And after, because, because it, it becomes a habit. And of course, a habit is only a habit. When you don't know you have a habit, then it becomes, once you know you have a habit, it's no longer a habit, it's a choice. So coming into to, to see me, I help them realize they had a habit and now they have a choice because they can see that scaffolding. So what we do is we dismantle the scaffolding and at the same time, we, I help them to empower the building so that they no longer need the scaffolding. And we drop, we help them to drop the, and I keep on saying we, and I don't know why I keep, why I, I'm saying we, because I never usually say we, unless I'm getting intuitive uh, import here. So uh, that's quite a possibility. So thank you for that. The process of dismantling the scaffolding is, and the identification to that is, is very important. And once a person can see that identification, it's very empowering to them because they can see where their problems have been, where the, the problem sources are coming from. And so we work through dismantling that, that, uh, scaffolding, empowering the building, which is the themselves. So they don't need to rely on that scaffolding anymore. And mm -hmm. that's what I found was the core of my work for um, some time. From that point, it got into uh, much deeper levels of spirituality. And that's where the work became really interesting and uh, more exciting, I, I, I guess. Would you say that we are all hypnotized to some extent? And if so, is that due mostly to our external environment or to our own creation? Mm. I can't really talk for anyone else, Jeff. Um, uh, it's all speculation um, in a way. I can only talk from my own experience. And I know that I was hypnotized or conditioned in a lot of ways. And I was unconscious of that until I started working with other people, clients and myself. And one of the beautiful things about working with clients is it's always an exchange. Like a person may come in with a an issue and they're also bringing in a gift for the practitioner or the healer to receive as well because it will reflect something into the, the practitioner or the therapist or the healer. 
and it's up to the therapist to recognize that gift. So there's a, it's an, always an exchange. And I always say to the people that are in the hypnotherapy chair is only the intelligent people are in this chair. And that kind of puts a little smile on their face because they might have a preconceived idea that there's something wrong with them. That's why they're here. And I say, no, if you're in that chair, there's, you're, you're, you're a genius. You're already ahead of the pack. Is there a way for a person to discover for themselves if they're hypnotized? <laughs> By the way, I, I don't know if I answered your, your question uh, completely uh, satisfactory uh, previous to this. But anyway, as the conversation goes on, it might become more um, clear to us in, in the long term of this uh, conversation. Uh, the answer to that question may reveal itself more clearly. Um, I would say that if you don't feel good, if you're not feeling good, there's a high probability you're in a, you've been, you're, you're working off your programs. And I say that pretty conservatively and uh, respectfully. Uh, most people are working off their programs. And the, what I've come to realize is that the programs create a separation and the separation is from the, the divine, uh, the creator that we are created by, whatever you would like to see that as, God, uh, whatever uh, flows your boat with that. The, for, my, for myself, and myself is no different to anybody else, so we're all the same. I've realized that that is the real healing when we get back to the alignment with the, the source. And what is the source for me? It's just simply love. And when we're operating on programs, we're generally not operating from a place of love. We're operating from a place of necessity, survival, uh, lack or even um, ambition, competition, and ego, and all of those things. And that's not a bad thing when you can understand it. The problem arises is when you're unaware, you're in those programs unconsciously because you're being, you don't have programs then, the programs have you, and that is the problem. So sometimes it needs someone on the outside to be able to see the programs that you have and to give you a different perspective on it. And I find it's more beautiful when the client, the patient, is able to see that for themselves. So I can guide them to a place where they can see it from them for themselves, but not actually tell them what it is. So they have an experience of unfolding and that's empowering. And 
uh, helps them to move into the direction, uh, gives them a little uh, insight into, I can do this. Yeah, I just did it, you know, so uh, that's nice. And just stepping back and being able to allow the process to happen is, is uh, it, it's an art, Jeff, actually. It's therapy is an art. And it takes a skill to know when to, you know, distance, when to back out, when to go in and uh, assist a little more. It's a, it's a constant fluctuation. And to be able to be sensitive to that fluctuation is a really important trait that if a healer has that, then they're in good stead. They have a calibration tool to be able to utilize uh, that sensitivity. And that's where sensitivity comes. One of the ways in which sen sensitivity plays an important role in our lives. Earlier, you mentioned the importance of our inner dialogue, our mental chatter. How do we improve that? Mm, that's a good question. We have to become aware of what we're thinking about. We have to pay attention to the words we're using. And if we can start to pay attention of the words, if we can pay close attention to the words we're speaking outwardly, we will start to have a inkling of what we are, what words we're using when we're thinking. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our words that we're speaking is only a very small portion of what's going on in our mind. So if we can start to listen to our words, for example, if you, you, sh you should <laughs> remove all the shoulds out of your life. Okay. So get rid of the word should right out of your vocabulary. Get rid of the word try. And get rid of the word don't because the subconscious mind doesn't recognize the negative words like don't. For example, I can say to you, don't think of a zebra. So you have to think about a zebra to not think about it. So you've already thought about it twice. And when you think about it, you also have a picture because a picture is a thought, and a thought is a picture. 
And the subconscious mind uses pictures to program the state of being. And the state of being that we are in is a reflection of our state of consciousness. So when we can begin to look at the words and then the pictures that go with the words, we can start to change those pictures and that changes the subconscious and the feeling that's connected with the subconscious. The subconscious works with feelings and pictures and metaphors. And you may have been actually starting to go into a bit of a trance as I was talking then, because you were starting to internally examine your introspection and you were actually connecting with what I was saying on a deeper level and your subconscious mind was actually connecting with me and was reciprocating the communication in a way that it understood what I was talking about, even if your logical mind was not there. So you may have been feeling a shift as I was talking. And this is just real surface basic stuff we're talking about. So in answer to your question, be aware of what you're, how you're talking. And then you can start making some changes. Like there's a, there's a, an old saying um, that the English people use and uh, I'm half English and half Italian. So back in the old generation, there's this saying that uh, the English people say, and they say it all the time without even thinking about it. And they say, go blimey. And what they're saying is, and you might have heard that, that expression, what they're saying is, God blind me. And it's such a weird thing to say, strange thing to say. And when you break it down, why would you want to say that? It's an actual program that someone is commanding the divine to do. Not that the divine is going to do that, but it's not a very intelligent thing to say no disrespect to the english but what we're doing here is becoming conscious of the language and the older language and our language now is beginning to become new we're beginning to speak a new language and so all of this old stuff that that, that no longer um, supports higher levels of consciousness is being removed and those type of um, phrases are redundant and fortunately and that in itself jeff is a shift in consciousness just in the language and so if we can start with language just seeing and becoming aware of what we're, how we're saying things, that awareness will then translate and give us access to the deeper unconscious things we're saying. 
because we're seeing negative things outwardly. There's a there's ninety percent more in the back of the unconscious. That's a lot more negative than what we're saying because we filter it. We try our best to you know everyone wants to you know come across as as a nice person or a good person, so they're going to filter what they say. But in the, in the back of their mind, you know what's going on. Sometimes it's just a mess in there. And so when you can say, okay, let's just take a look at what's going on. Let me honestly evaluate and just see how I talk and make small incremental adjustments. When you make lots of small incremental adjustments, it's a the consistency. That's what's important. And that will lead you to bigger and bigger increments. And what that does is it be, it builds the confidence of the person. And so they start taking stock and becoming self-empowered with how they speak. And after a while, then you don't want to speak anymore because you go beyond speaking into that place of peace where that's where all the fun uh, begins. A significant portion of my near-death experiencers claim that on the other side, they don't have the mental chatter anymore. All of that is gone. And so maybe we can lead into your NDE-like experience with this. And when you were having that experience, was all your mental chatter gone? Right. As you were saying that, what came to me was that when people have their NDEs, what they're probably doing is leaving all the programming behind and they're accessing directly the uh, pure intelligence or consciousness. So there's no need for the programs. So just like a program in a computer, if it's not turned off, it just keeps on going on and on. And that's a lot of the mind chatter are connected to programs. So when people move out of that atmosphere of programming and into that place of oneness, the program is not necessary anymore. So they drop it. And that's where the peace can, uh, peace, uh, can come from. Uh, the uh, disassociation with the programming allows people to see something more clearly. So in my experience, there, when I actually went into the light, I did have a conversation and the conversation I remember was, oh, I'm home. And there was a feeling of such comfort and expandedness. And the one thing that was intriguing to me and a little uh, perplexing was that I felt uh, like I was two things at the same time. 
I could feel that I was one with the whole of the light and the consciousness and this place where I just felt so comfortable. And yet at the same time, I could feel that I was actually me. I was unique. So there was this, I, I kind of had a preconceived idea that if you were the, if I went into the light or if I was in the oneness that I would be dissolved into this big oneness, but it wasn't like that. It was, I was aware of this oneness and, and wholeness, but at the same time, I was, I knew that I was talking to myself. I knew that I was going, Hey, I'm home. I just heard myself say that. And Hey, I know I'm me, but at the same time, I feel this amazing comfort. And it was just like this white light. I didn't have a physicalness. I didn't feel like I had a body. I just felt like I was a consciousness in another consciousness, if that makes any sense. What was your question? <laughs> I was talking about well, it really wasn't a question. I was just kind of leading you into your near-death-like experience. And I was right. wanting to know about, you know, why we, why some of these experiencers chatter disappears. And you answered it. Okay. Do you feel that the mental chatter is part of the brain filtering the consciousness in this realm? And when you leave this realm, that's why it stays behind? Jeff, that's so deep. I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. It, it could be. It could be. You may have just discovered that yourself. I mean, that could be uh, part of your... Oh, hang on a second. I've got some uh, information coming through for you. I was just informed that that is something that you need to explore for yourself, because that is actually a part of your direction for you to know as a next step to your next evolve state. How can we have an NDE-like experience without the trauma? Mm. Okay. So I've watched a lot of your podcasts, Jeff, and uh, one of the really impressive or outstanding things that I've noticed about your podcasts are the potency of honesty that your guests have. And I think that's the purity of that is very engaging and real. And that's what keeps me interested in your podcasts because I can feel that what your guests are saying is, is a real experience that they're having and, and it's beautiful. And to be able to express this very intimate experience on a platform like this is uh, tremendous. And I would suspect that a lot of people who talk about this 
of not being able to talk to even some of their closest friends about it because they probably just wouldn't understand. So having this platform to be able to do this is, is very important. And, um, What was your question again, Jeff? It was, how do we have our own NDE-like experience without the trauma? Great. So now you've put me back on track. Thank you. And most of the podcasts that I've watched on your show, the majority of those NDE experiences have been through traumatic experiences. People have hit an unexpected situation in their life and it's totally changed the trajectory of their life. And what I'd like to share is that you don't have to have a traumatic, traumatic experience to change your trajectory. And I would suspect from listening to those guests and from my understanding is that those people that had those traumatic experiences uh, probably never realized they had these inner abilities and they needed something. They needed a shock to shock them out of their current uh, shell or understanding or scaffolding into uh, another uh, perception uh, or another truth or another uh, choice. And those people, I feel, are usually quite remote from any understanding of spirituality, meditation, or any of those type of things. So they need that. However, if you are becoming conscious, you can still have the same experiences without needing to go through the NDE experience. It takes some dedication and some effort and some persistence, but you can access the, the same state through meditation and I have done that and it's the same experience. The only thing is there's no trauma involved. There's no uh, surgery involved. There's no damage to the body. It's done in a conscious intention. So I would to, to uh, address your listeners, if you're one of those people who are consciously meditating and you're you you have a an intention to become more conscious there's a very very low probability that you're going to have a traumatic experience to break through to that realization and that's a good thing and i think uh well i feel that now more people are taking the uh, more comfortable route, let's call it, than the, the shocking, um, intense. Uh, having an OBE even through meditation can still be intense, but it's 
intense in a in a, in a good way the the feelings the um the uh, understanding the uh, experience of it can still be intense but also it doesn't have to be intense either it can be very smooth is there any specific type of meditation technique that's better than another we have to find a meditation technique that works for ourselves and i've been through a lot of different meditation techniques i've been initiated through different gurus and masters with different techniques and i've tried there's that word get rid of that word tried i have practiced these techniques for long periods of time until I realized I didn't need to, to practice those techniques. So it was a learning experience of practicing the techniques and then realizing oh, I don't need to do this. What I need to do is find the one that works for me. And the best way to have an, we'll call it a um, NDE uh, kind of experience through meditation is you need to be able to bring the breathing right down, bring the whole tempo of the respiratory system down and get to a state where there is barely any breathing. I am able to get my breath, I, well, my heartbeat down to about one beat to every 10 seconds. So that's not bad. And it will, it feels like I'm almost not breathing. It's so, so light that it's almost undetectable but it, it's like one long breath, but it's so light that that breath can be elongated and that allows the heartbeat to slow down. And when the heartbeat slows down, it opens up a gateway to access other levels of uh, consciousness. So any meditation that's going to be able to slow everything down and bring you into a place of deep peace and presence is going to be beneficial. And I don't recommend chasing OBEs. I don't recommend chasing NDEs. Actually, I don't recommend chasing anything. The main importance is to connect with that alignment of the love, the, the divine within. This is what's important. If you can connect with it here and now in this physical body, then 
this physical body becomes a vehicle for our love to reach other physical beings on this planet. And by sharing that love from this vehicle, which is what the vehicle is, this vehicle is, is for, it's a communication device. And how are you using your communication device? Are you using this to create uh, drama, havoc, uh, competition? Or are you, or do you have an intention with your vehicle to use it to convey love? And it's the love is not a conditional love. It's not like, okay, I'm going to love and see what I get back. It's just an oozing of the love. It's just a allowing love to radiate out. And whoever meets with that love understands it. And whoever doesn't meet with that, that's okay. And with that love coming out, there's no judgment on other people. If there's a, a negative person or a, a, an egotistical person or competitive or a drama-orientated uh, person, and you're coming from that place of love, you can see where that person is. And that love just wraps around them, and there's no judgment in that. And you, that person is where they're at and you're where you're at and that's okay. However, the people who are in the vicinity of that frequency of love connect with that. And when we connect, that's what it's all about, the connection. And when we have that connection, it lights us up and it lights up the other person. And then when we, if we could imagine that, everyone's lighting up and then there's a beam of what light going from the heart of one person to another that lights them up and then that goes to an and it creates a grid of love and it's being passed through to all the people and then that are on that same frequency then that frequency has an effect on the other vibrations that are not quite at that frequency so it has a a, a bleed over effect or an osmosis effect, which helps the other people indirectly. And that's it, the connection. So it's all about love. And these people who are experiencing the NDE experience through trauma, what they're connecting with is the love again. And that love is all, was already, it was always there within them. And they probably, you know, they say that it was, I didn't realize I had that within me. Uh, but that's what we're, that's the healing. That's the true healing. And that's the importance of the healing of the separation. The separation is what it creates the pain. And the healing is what heals it. So about love. Did those beings ever reveal to you who they are? And while I'm asking that question, I'll just add this one to it. Are mm -hmm. you still in communication with them? Right. They didn't 
they didn't uh, reveal to me who they were. And it wasn't important for them to reveal to me who they were. What was important was that I followed the, the, uh, the compelling, uh, inspired action that, that they, they uh, ignited in me, the message. That was what's important. However, I had an experience and I, uh, earlier in my life, uh, actually not one, but uh, a lot of these experiences where there was another uh, uh, presence that, uh, that uh, was with me, which I suspect is connected with these uh, beings. I can't say for sure, but the way that this, the, the situation occurred uh, leads me to believe that it was something con connected with that same feeling. So I feel like they're, they're there with me all the time. And I have access to a direct connection with a uh, knowledge or a uh, information or messages which will just come through intuitively when I'm working with a client or if I'm just anywhere at any time, it'll come through. If I need some assistance uh, with a clarity on something, it will come through and it will be very clear. So no, they didn't reveal themselves, but uh, there is definitely something or an energy which they are part of a collective of which I'm connected with, which is around me all the time. Did these beings give you some type of protocol to help people help and heal themselves? You mean the beings that led me to the planet? Yes. Okay. No, they didn't give me any protocol. My understanding was that the protocol was the, the assistance that my, I in, in particular was to, to help with was to write the book and through that book, who whoever, whomever that book reached the, the information was meant to be for those people. And that was uh, the role that I played. And probably I assume that, uh, that they have other, uh, contracts with other people and they're doing the same thing and whoever they work with and the abilities that the other humans that they're they're uh, working with uh, they would express in a way that was uh, through convey it through the way their abilities were for me it was to write the book and the interesting thing was it was so easy to write the book having that experience because it just, it had so much behind it that was compelling to, to write the book. And then my job was to make it pragmatic, make it accessible and uh, accessible as a tool for people to use. So the book doesn't take you to the planet where uh, the future planet of Earth 
that the probability of that future earth is what it does is it starts you on a journey it starts you on the the process of the steps towards that and that was what they wanted me to do to put something out there that was accessible to whoever needed it at that level do you feel like the information from this book was downloaded into you i would say that uh, the information was an accumulation of my experience of uh, meditating my professional practice as a hypnotherapist uh, kinesiologist uh, and uh, holistic healing however the the power behind it the energy behind it the inspiration behind it was downloaded a hundred percent so the engine behind it was downloaded and it was they kind of like gave me the option of how i wanted to deliver the information as long as i delivered the the the, the pointy and point of there's a probability then this could be this earth can be a harmonious place and as long as that message was conveyed as the, uh, the 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 main essence of the book without necessarily saying that um uh, directly that's all they were concerned about I, i've done my job then and and that's what I did. So I thought about how to how to write the book in a way that someone could just pick it up and read and then start to real have the realizations within themselves. Oh, this is the way I, uh, I've been talking. Oh, uh, now I recognize that or and and get those ha ha moments as they go through the book. And then they can um, you don't have a process that and then that will take them to the next level of where they need to be and that was what i did over your years of practicing hypnotherapy are there patterns that come up through people over and over again everything is patterns in fact uh i would i like to use the word rhythms the rhythms and patterns are synonymous and if you look at the word universe right uni means one and verse means rhythm so one universe one rhythm and so when people come in to see me the patterns are the most outstanding um, aspect of what i work with so recognizing the patterns in people, whether they're negative patterns or positive patterns, that's part of the programming as well. See, a program can also be a pattern. And what we want to ascertain is that, is that pattern working for you or is it limiting you? Is it liberating you? Is it supporting you toward liberation or is it limiting you? And to clarify that distinction, then we've got something to work with. And then we can go about either removing that pattern, dissolving that pattern, that rhythm, 
and or uh, supporting a, a rhythm that needs a little bit more uh, momentum and power and recognition and acknowledgement, which is love. Love is acknowledgement as well. So that there there that's a few ways in which we can use. But patterning is really important or rhythm is really important because we run on rhythm, right? Our whole body's running on rhythm. Everything is rhythm. Everything, the, the, the cosmos works on rhythm. So rhythm and pattern are this, they're brothers and sisters. Before I started this podcast, I never expected so many people to reach out to me and thank me because these videos of NDEs bring them hope and peace. Why do you think so many people are suffering out there, especially the ones who have lost a loved one to the other side? Well, nothing is ever lost. <laughs> and you have to be lost to be found. So changing the perspective by by moving out and seeing the larger picture of things is that in my understanding the suffering that we we go through is usually because we would like it to go a certain way and it doesn't go that way and when it doesn't go in the way we would like it to go we relate that to pain or loss or suffering. But if we can actually step back a little bit and say, well, um, perhaps there's something that knows something more than what I do. And there is something going on that is creating a blessing out of this what seems to be a loss there is something of importance behind that to learn from when we see it from that perspective everything that we go through is a gift to us even if it's a painful experience the pain is the way we're perceiving the uh, experience. So if we can start to look from outside of our myopic view of, you know, this should be the way I want it to be, which is the, 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 the ego will, and move towards a divine will. And when we can understand that we are immortal, where we have, and I have a strong sense of connection to my immortality. And I have had that um, from a young boy. In fact, I remember when I was about nine, nine years old, I was on holidays in a place in the UK, and I was never uh, interested in jewelry or any kind of accessories. Uh, at that age, usually not. But I remember, and it was really out of character, I, I went to this market by myself and I saw this, uh, this uh, 
Kraank. You know what an Ankh is, uh, uh, Jeff? Like yes. one of those Egyptian. And it was at this marketplace. And I walked past it and I saw it and I just wanted to buy it. It was really strange. And I pointed to the the Ankh and I said, how much is that? And he's, I remember he said the amount of money and I didn't know how much it, it, he meant. So I just pulled uh, some coins out of my pocket and gave it to him. And he said, well, it's not enough, but you can have it anyway. And, and I had this Ankh and I didn't even know why I bought it. And I kept it with me. And it wasn't till like about 15 years later that I met a lady her, and her name was Ankh. And, and then she had a tattoo of an Ankh. And I said, oh, I, I, I remember that, that sign. And then she explained to me what it was. And it was interesting because right before I bought the Ankh, I had a, I was sleeping and I had an experience of connecting with my immortality. Like I just had this experience, like we just continue to live. We live on. I didn't understand it. I, I couldn't articulate it. And I didn't understand it for, for many years later. But it was interesting that at that moment and that same day, I purchased that ankh, which I didn't know the meaning of at the time. And that was a connection. There was something going on at that time. When you were seven years old, you had an experience with a reptilian being. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. Okay. So I was, my sister was, and I, we shared a bedroom. We had a bunk bed, one of those double beds. And I was on the top. And one, one night I felt a, uh, like, a bite on my heel of my foot. And it was dark, but I had the distinct impression. And at the time, I didn't know about reptilians. I was only seven, never heard. I wasn't into any of this uh, consciousness stuff back then or at least I didn't know I was. And my impression was it was a crocodile. I, I, I remember seeing a, it. Was, it was an impression of a snout of a crocodile, but a shortish snout. And I thought that my, my dad was a bit of a joker. And I thought that my dad had come in and like, like wearing like a, a, a some sort of a suit and he bit my ankle in a, in a, on my heel in a kind of a loving way. Just, I don't even know. It was just a weird thing. And I, I never thought anything about it. And in the morning at breakfast, I said to my dad, um, you know, Hey, why did you bite my heel last night? And why were you wearing the, the, the crocodile suit? And he, he didn't know what I was talking about. He said, what are you talking about? And I just thought, oh, um, okay, yeah, 
whatever. He didn't think anything of her. I thought he was just playing around. And it was interesting because a few months later, I developed a uh, something. My heel was itching all the time. And I had to go to a chiropodist. And the chiropodist was like chopping off chunks of skin off the bottom of my heel. And I didn't even know why. I just had this itching thing. I had to go and see him for about six months on a regular basis. And he was just chopping off this chunks of skin. It didn't, it wasn't painful, but it was just a weird thing. And it, I never connected the two until recently. And then when I, uh, I heard about, I discovered about reptilians, I suddenly realized it all connected. It all made sense. Then I knew what it was. And I understood that I'd been uh, visited by a reptilian, and um, but I didn't know. And that, I don't know, maybe there's an implant. <laughs> I better check my heel out and see if there's an implant. <laughs> well, with all, the, with all the people you have regressed, have you had anybody, you know, having contact with ETs? Uh, no, I have not had any um, regression, even in the uh, QHHT, uh, where people have contacted ETs. But I have had clients that have visited other uh, planetary systems and been on other uh, planets and described where they were, who were you know, like corporate, very corporate, uh, corporate uh, headed people. So they were not into any kind of what we're talking about. And, uh, and yes, yeah, so planetary, yes, not uh, alien or reptilian. No, that's interesting. Usually my sessions are more connected when I do past life or inter in in between life sessions, they normally uh, are connected with other uh, people, but not aliens yet. I don't know why. I think that maybe certain therapists have a they're more, you know, pe therapists attract certain people that require that certain level of understanding. And I think there's probably people out there that, that are really good with the alien part, Jeff, but uh, that's hasn't been my, um, my experience, but I definitely, um, yeah, know that we're, we're, you know, we're not alone. Why do we keep coming back to the earth over and over? And is there an end point to it? Yeah. Right. So I have a, a couple of different views on that, Jeff. I think that uh, one is that we come back to the earth to, to learn, uh, to experience different experiences so that it can enrich in our soul and uh, just, you know, learn about what the separation is so that we can have an appreciation of what, uh, what we really are and 
uh, when we move back into that uh, love, uh, to understand that we moved out of that love and we experienced the, what it feels like to be separated. And do you still want to feel that in separation? We can have the experiences of uh, pain and loss and, and, and those type of experiences. So that is one. The second one is I feel that some people, myself included, come down back to the earth to actually hold energy and hold space to help and assist other beings that are humans that are have been struggling or are lost in that system of uh, separation and we become they they can see uh, what we're doing and we become a uh, like a uh, inspiration to them to where, where they can see that you don't have to be in that system to to be living on the earth. You can actually, there is another way as well. And it's still a choice. So there is a certain amount of people that have come to help and to, uh, to hold energy, space, and love. And that doesn't mean to say that when these people come to earth, that they're they're just like blessed and they're, they're going to have an easy job. They still have to go through the understanding of the illusion and the separation. But the, the people who are coming to help generally can get through that, uh, that challenge and out the other side. And part of getting through that challenge also, Jeff, is so that they have an understanding of that challenge so that they can understand the people who are in that, that uh, illusion and that uh, Maya and uh, that maze of confusion so that there is a compassion to be able to uh, communicate to them on that level. But at the same time, keeping the... Uh, holding the uh, the space and the uh, presence of the original essence of who we are. Aldo, due to time, I need to switch gears with you. Mm-hmm. Your book is titled Man is Moving Beyond Sickness. Mm-hmm. Do they find it on Amazon or your website? That's available on Amazon. It's available in some bookstores as well. That's actually a copy of the the book right there. And um, yeah, that that's available there, Jeff. Um, the website that I'm operating from now is the website for balance health, and uh, that's where i'm I am right now at the clinic in balance health. So if uh, someone wants to, uh, connect with me through the website at Balance Health. Um, you can do that at balancehealth.com.hk. And I'm assuming if somebody's in Hong Kong and wants a QHHT session, they can reach out to you there. Correct. Yes, that would be the best way. Just go through the Balance Health website. Well, in the beginning, I mentioned that you, you know, travel around the world. Are there places that you go to regularly, like Bali? Uh, yeah, Bali is one of my favorite places. The energy in 
Bali. They, it's just, just, uh, it's just love. It's, it's, this, it's a very special place, and uh, it's uh, situated on some very interesting ley lines and uh, Wallace lines, and there's a, a lot going on there that is uh, very, um, very uh, spiritual and interesting. Um, but I, I do have frequent Shiva Som in Thailand a lot, and there's uh, uh, the Andara Resorts in Thailand. Also, Shiva Som is in Wahin in uh, Thailand, and uh, there's a few other places dotted around that uh, that I frequent. But those are the ones I I go to frequently every year, uh, several times a year, as, uh, but I'm based in Hong Kong. Is there anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? I do a group hypno-meditation, which has become very popular, and uh, I use, uh, I have a hundred sets of uh, headphones, and everyone has a set of these headphones and they are they have their own volume control and i use frequencies i have a background in sound engineering as well so i work a lot with frequencies and with the hypno therapeutic background i have and the meditation teaching and facilitating experience i've blended them together to create a hypno meditation and using voice effects and sound frequencies. I take people on a group journey as a collective of that group through an experience which is uh, healing. And um, the theme of each group is always individual because I tune into the collective of that group and then customize on the fly a experience which is pertaining to the thread of the core of that group. So whenever a group of people come together, there will be a core issue that the whole group's experiencing, even if they're experiencing it in a different way. So I'm able to access that core. And so I address the session to the core. And it's amazing how after the session, people will say, wow, it felt like you were just talking directly to me. And that just lets me know that uh, I was on point with, with the trajectory that I chose for the session. And that's a knack. So I've got that, that knack down pretty good now. So I really enjoy now moving into the group sessions the one-on-one -on -one sessions are great, and I've been doing those a long time now, Jeff. However, I just feel like I felt like that I wasn't reaching enough people in terms of getting the the uh, the message out. So now I'm focusing on the group sessions, and those sessions are um, happening, and they've been very uh, popular. They they usually sell out very quickly in Hong Kong, and I've been taking those group classes to the uh, resorts now as something new. And people are 
joining in and experiencing it. It's something new um, to a lot of people. However, the response has been 100% positive, so that's great. Aldo, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? The most important thing is to recognize that separation that we are in here and that separation being in this on this earth in this 3d realm is a natural part of this experience however we need to get in alignment with that oneness of the the, the uh, love of the 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 god the creator whatever you'd like to call it i just like to call it love because that's what how i feel it i don't really have a concept of it it's a feeling so getting in contact with that feeling of love if we can do that within ourselves that's it that's the key and then from that place of that foundation of that love within us we're going to be working through with that intent coming out. And I feel like that's where we're, we're all going anyway. That's where it's all leading to. And just encouraging people to, to connect with that and to recognize there is a separation and the separation is obviously the ego. And to be aware of that is very important. And to keep on looking into resources like like your platform because these platforms offer experiences that other people have gone through that allow a viewer to freely examine themselves in in a more uh, gentle way and not so judgmental because remember part of the trap of the separation is the judgment and when we judge ourselves that that is not allowing us to move into the love because this love and judgment are the opposite frequencies so we need to be aware of that judgment so these platforms allow us uh, the, through viewing these platforms like yours, Jeff, is allowing people to, like you say, give them a, a peep into, oh yeah, I can, I can do this. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not crazy. I'm not, uh, you know, like this is, this is real. This is real. And, and, and that's, that's the message really just keep it simple, you know, simple and simple and honest is, is a, is a good way. Aldo, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. You're welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure and uh, kind of a bit surreal to be actually talking to you after watching so many of your um, your great podcasts and uh, never, never thought that I'd be actually talking with you on this. Mm. So it's been a buzz and uh, Keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, I have a message for you, Jeff, if I may. Sure. Yep. Um, all right. 
So uh, apparently you were a commander or an uh, admiral or a commander of some sort of collective whereby you were teaching other levels of consciousness and part of your uh, job, your message on this earth is to actually, what you're doing is what you were doing on that level, but this is a uh, earth kind of level of what you're doing, if that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, that was the message for you that you're, what you're doing is what you've always done, basically. It's a, it's a great confirmation that I'm on the right path now. Totally. Yeah. Cool. It's <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. All right, Jeff. Much love and peace and blessings to you. Same to you, brother. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.